Hello, my friend. You are listening to TIEPOD, and today you are in for an absolute treat because we are joined by Cynthia Pong. Cynthia is a, is a feminist career strategist, speaker, and author of Don't Stay in Your Lane, The Career Change Guide for Women of Color. An NYU-trained lawyer-turned-career coach, she is on a mission to embolden women of color to get the money, power, and respect that they deserve. First of all, can I just pause for a moment and recognize the greatness in that statement? Cynthia is truly filling a space and a gap that I personally and professionally love to see filled and celebrated and really brought into the general conversation as business owners. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to TiePod, a podcast crafted by Tiana Ty to help you purify your purpose in business, love, and life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, dog mom, or just getting started, you're bound to find value as Tiana dives into meaningful topics each episode. So settle in, turn up the volume, and welcome your host, Tiana Ty. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TiePod would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. I feel really honored and excited to have you, Cynthia, here today. And I would love it if I could just like stop babbling for a moment and turn it over to you to introduce yourself to the TIEPOD community and talk a little bit about your journey so far. Yes. Wow. Thank you for that super warm and generous introduction. I had a huge dorky smile on my face as you were um, talking about me. So thank you. Thank you so much. And I love, love, love your work and your podcast. So I'm really, really jazzed to be here. Um, so yeah, my my journey has not been linear. Uh, I I'm a trained lawyer and I used to be a public defender, but I burned out of that work. And after doing it for like six years, I knew I needed to make a change. So I stepped back from that work, did a lot of soul searching. And that's when my entrepreneurial journey like really began. Um, I got it in my head that I wanted to work for myself and set up my LLC. And then from there, it was just like trying one thing pivoting when it didn't work, pivoting a few times. And finally, that that led me to what I do now, which is career strategy for mid-career women of color. And I freaking love it. Happy to talk more about all the steps in between, of course, but that's the nutshell. Ooh, and that's a good nutshell. Yes. <laughs> so I would love to hear just kind of like how you got into that particular work. I feel like I don't know. It's it's difficult work, first of all, but it's also like extremely fulfilling and important work. So I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. You mean the coaching? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was 100% trial and error. So, uh, you know, with our careers, I 
I encourage, you know, clients and other people too to think about it as an experiment because I feel like it takes a little bit of the pressure off. It's not like you get one shot, you know, and it's do or die from there. You really do. There are very few things in career that are not course correctable. So I encourage people to, you know, try to just take that first step and then that will lead you to your next step. That is exactly how I did my kind of you know, life as an entrepreneur, because the first version of my business was doing nonprofit consulting to work with nonprofits and social justice organizations to be more supportive of their staff, provide better services to their clients, stuff like that. But it really didn't work. I was not getting clients. (laughs) So I had to go back to the drawing board. And the second version was a much better fit. It was doing mindfulness training. I was uh, more successful at it making money, but there was still something missing. And so I had to pause again, Tiana, and be like, you know, something's not right here. It's not, it's not what I want it to be. And so then as a, another experiment, I like put out a message on my personal Facebook being like, Hey, I'm taking on clients in a one-on-one coaching capacity. Cause I realized that missing piece was, I really love working with people individually because I'm highly introverted and I love working with them on like deep change, like long lasting change. So that's why I was thinking coaching And honestly, at the beginning, I was so broad and vague about it. I wasn't even clear on whether it was life coaching, career coaching, who I wanted to work with. I just put out this message kind of to the universe through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And and then I niched down from there, like looking at who was coming to me, who I loved working with the most. And I landed on this uh, this targeted audience because I realized, like you were saying, there's like not enough tailored, customized services for women of color in career development, professional development, leadership you know? Um, And I was like, that's ridiculous. I want to be there. And we are so lucky that you are there and filling that space, right? And (laughs) even when I think about the title of your book, Don't Stay in Your Lane, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, don't (laughs) stay in that. Like, I'm like, amen, let's talk about it. So I wasn't actually planning on asking you this, but I feel the need to. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the topics that you cover in that? Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I also had a like figuring out even the title of my book was a journey because I'm not one of those people that's good at coming up with like quippy, sticky, you know, catchy titles. But I meditated on it multiple times. And this was one of the options. And when I surveyed like some of my clients and people I trust, that was the the winner by a lot. Um, And I love it because it's kind of this subtle call out to, or maybe not so subtle, um, reference to like, how women of color and women in general, but like definitely women of color, we're always kind of socialized and told to be a certain way, right? Like, you know, put other people ahead of yourself. Like, don't toot your own horn. Just put your head down and work really hard. Um, you know, make your family proud. All these kind of things, these messages. And society and our families and our uh, communities are kind of telling us to like stay in a box, like stay in our lane, you know? And because I'm all about sort of being outside of the box and like blowing up the idea of a box, it made sense to me that like this being a a step-by-step instruction manual to guide women of color, help them coach themselves through their own career journey. Like it should be called something like don't stay in your lane because I don't think we should stay in our lanes, you know, like F the lanes. Um, So uh, yeah, like the, the, the book is like generally about like career change. Like if you're unhappy where you are, these are the steps you need to take. Like I literally boil it down into very easy to read, user-friendly, accessible steps. Um, this is what you need to do to figure out what to do 
next? Because a lot of people, they just know that they don't like what their current situation is. They don't really necessarily know where they want to go with that. And so this book is all about clarifying it, demystifying the process and breaking it down for you as a person who faces both racism and sexism in your professional and life life. Oh, um, that part, that <laughs> part. And like, let's yeah. be clear, even as I'm sitting here, like listening to you talk about it, you know, from an entrepreneur perspective, this is mm-hmm. still totally relevant because mm-hmm. many, many, and it's literally like your own personal entrepreneur journey where it's like, I built something. And then I was like, eh, not liking it, not really mm-hmm. fulfilled, not quite working. And yes. it's like, well, you don't have to stay there, my friend, like no. we can transition up out of this. So I love mm-hmm. this topic. It's so good. Thank you. I know. And like, you know, there's so many common um, negative kind of mindsets that a lot of my clients, like I've noticed over the years, keep popping up again and again, you know? So there are special sections in the book that address each and every one of those too, like imposter syndrome, like martyring yourself, like having a lot of regrets or judgmental thinking, comparing yourself to other people. So there is a lot of that that you don't see in your run-of-the-mill career advice book written by and for white people that I, was really important to me to include in there because that's who I want to be helping, you know, those of us who are struggling with those things in an intersectional way. So that's a little more about what's in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it sounds so like rich and robust. I'm like, ooh, let's grab a copy. <laughs> but, so Thank when you. I think about how you're emboldening women of color, right? Like that's yeah. the terminology that we're using. I do think about some of the struggles that women of color often have, particularly in a professional capacity, whether this is corporate, small business, entrepreneur, it truly does not matter the, you know, the industry or location. But I, I know that I was super excited to talk to you today about this concept of racial gaslighting. So to just dive on in, honestly, like let's not pump the brakes. Let's just go for Mm -hmm. it. Um, can you talk to us, just like introduce the concept to me as if I was a second grader? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's so challenging. I will do my best. Um, Thank you. First, I'll, I'm going to start with my favorite definition, then I will break it down for the second grader. So my favorite definition of racial gaslighting is from Sheila Wise Rowe and her book, Healing Racial Trauma. So she defines it as the ways that individuals or institutions try to manipulate or question people of color's sense of reality often to assert or maintain control, superiority, or power. So I know that's very academic, but now I'll break it down. It's basically, yeah, it's really good. Um, the way that she really just names it, you know, but for, for practical purposes, like all you need to think about is anytime you as a person of color are pointing out that there's something racist or like wrong with how things are, you know, you have that like internal spidey sense, like, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then other people, usually white people, but like it could also be other people of color, try to make you feel like you're making it up or you're the problem or you're wrong. And you start like second guessing yourself or doubting yourself and being like, wait, am I the one who's really out of line here? Like that's racial gaslighting. That process of being like, "Mm, something is wrong and this feels, you know, racist or oppressive other people being like no tiana like you're you're totally off base here like this is this is ridiculous we we have black employees here <laughs> you know like that type of process is racial gaslighting 
Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. And then when they're just like, are you sure you're not, you know, mm-hmm. reading too much into this? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. mm, I'm pretty sure I know what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. But it's fine, guys. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, not. But it's yeah. not. And that's why we're calling it out right now. Yes. And, you know, I do think it is like a concept that's getting a lot more traction now in this year with the BLM movement and, mm-hmm. a, you know, a lot more um, just heightened awareness around this. So, you know, it's it's honestly something that like I knew it existed before, but I didn't have this term for it until very recently. And now I'm just like really, really into talking to people more about it so that you are aware and you can make sure that you don't fall prey to this type of thing. Right. And I'm curious, just from like your personal perspective, how do you feel about, and not just like feel, but also Mm -hmm. just professional opinion around, you know, the conversation being amplified, which is a beautiful thing. But I feel like from my perspective, it's definitely been amplified in my professional community Uh in ways that it never was. Um, And as people color, women of color, that has been a very intriguing experience. So I would love if you shared some of your perspective on what that's been like and what you've observed through it. Yeah. I mean, well, first I would love to hear what, how you feel like it's been amplified like for you and in your lived experience. I would say, hmm, I feel like prior to this, you know, there's always been, I mean, there's always been all of this, but there's always been, you know, smaller instances, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I do remember I don't know, uh, early spring when some of the stuff first started occurring. I remember it just kind of at first as a woman of color, specifically as a black woman, Mm -hmm. I remember seeing some of the things in the news and it's just like, oh, you know, this sounds terrible, but like motherhood and apple pie, like I've seen this before. It is what Mm -hmm. it is at Mm -hmm. that point, right? Mm -hmm. And then as things have continued to progress and as additional things have happened and as Mm -hmm. the conversation's been started, Mm -hmm. it's just been a very different experience because- I don't know. I feel like we all felt a lull um, Mm. probably the last like month and a half, two months or so. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the conversation hasn't died down in the way Mm. that I really experienced it before. Um, So Uh that has been intriguing is the word I'll use. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I I totally see what you're saying. And I agree. And I have felt that too, that, you know, at first it was like, you know, yet another tragedy of another Black person being murdered by the state. You know, I mean, this is something that I've thought about for years because I used to really be in that world as a public defender, you know. Um, it was it was heartbreaking, like, every single time, you know, that it would happen. And it was not infrequent. You know, it happened, like, way too many more, more times than should be happening. And I'm even just talking about, like, the New York City area with the NYPD. So and in those times, you know, it it did have this sort of more short-lived feeling. And this time, you know, like after Eric Garner, it felt like, oh, okay, it might just be like another, you know, short sort of sprint for like the next couple of weeks. And then it's like the system's going to wear us down again. So I was really heartened when it like did continue. And I agree that like in the past month or two, it has sort of shifted again, you know, and it's it's worrisome to me. Um, but I do think that this kind of racial gaslighting in society has uh, a role in this too, because, you know, it's just like these, these strategies to uphold and maintain, um, white supremacy to uphold and maintain white patriarchy through using the police, using political power. Um, and, you know, 
again, marginalizing Black voices, making Black folks feel like they're making things up or blowing things up into a bigger deal than it should be. Like, I am genuinely concerned that that is going to affect people because we do get tired, you know, and the the amount of resources that institutions and the state have, and this is so like far afield from what I thought we were going to be talking about, but like <laughs> we're here, so let's be here. It, it's like, it's really easy for the institutions that have all these resources and stuff to wear down individual activists and individual voices like this. So, you know, I, I don't know. I hope this is part of why, like, I'm trying to talk more openly about this. And like, I'm giving a talk about racial gaslighting in the workplace at a conference next week and stuff is to keep, keep that fire going under people and to be like, keep your eyes open. You know, this is happening. We need to be aware of it and we need to protect ourselves from it because otherwise, again, this is going to die down and the movement for Black lives, you know, we have to keep it alive, you know? Absolutely. And I I want to really tap into this idea that you just brought up about particularly racial gaslighting in the workplace, right? So- Mm -hmm. And again, this is applying to my entrepreneur people. I know y'all listen and love (laughs) y'all. So let's talk about how it can show up in the workplace, especially for Uh entrepreneurs. Yeah. I love thinking about this because it can be very subtle sometimes. But again, this is one of those things like once you really sit with this definition and like this systematized uh, process that you'll start seeing it. Like everywhere. Um, That's how I've experienced it, anyways. And I think it'll be the same for a lot of entrepreneurs. So, here are some examples of racial gaslighting in the entrepreneurial context. So, let's say you're a Black business owner um, and you're providing services. Like, I have heard from Black colleagues before, like, let's say white women or other clients who come to them and basically insinuate or tell them outright that their rates are too high, that they're charging too much for whatever their product or their service is. And that's one of those things that feels like on its face, like, okay, that's someone's judgment, like, okay, fair. But like, actually, (laughs) what it does to the person hearing that is it causes this whole kind of, or it can cause this whole domino effect of like, oh my God, am I really charging too high? Like, and like, we've been told like all our lives and especially black women, I think is like, you know, you're less than, you can't charge as much, like your stuff is not worth as much as whatever, white people doing the same thing. So that's one example. Another example is telling entrepreneurs who focus their services on serving only people of color or women of color clientele that this is going to alienate clients. It's going to be bad for your business. You'll never be able to have a sustainable business with that narrow of a you know niche. Like So obviously this is one I've faced myself, but I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's total BS. And, and saying that is like reinforcing this underlying idea that... Um, there's not enough people of color who are deserving or who can pay for your services or like all this stuff and don't deserve like customized services, right? So that again, upholds like a white set of white norms. And the third thing I'll, I'll give as an example is like any time that you're feeling like your client or your customer is treating you differently because of your race or because of your race and gender, and then you're starting to feel a little wary about it, but you notice they're doing things to make you feel like, you're being too sensitive or you are, you know, like seeing things that aren't there, you know, that you're the problem. You just need to adjust your mindset, stuff like that. Anything that falls within that um, framework is probably racial gaslighting. 
And what do we say? Because like, I like to keep it real and think from all the perspectives, you know what I'm saying? So what do we say to the person who's like, okay, you know, I've questioned someone's rates before I've done something like that or yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And I had no intention or underlying plan to do that, particularly because of their race or because, you know, I'm at, you know, a greater power dynamic or whatever Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the instance is. Mm -hmm. So what do we say to that? I'm curious. Yeah. So as people may have seen on social media or elsewhere, intent doesn't equal impact. You know, like you don't have to be going in with a bad intent at all in order to have a terrible impact, to be totally honest. So like understand that. And then, you know, it you can do things to rectify any harm that you might have done. So it's still okay. Like you could go back to the person and be like, you know, I... I remember that I had said this to you about your rates before and I, you know, I want to like let you know that if it harmed you, is there some way that I can make it right for you now? You know, and I'm sorry that I said that. I realize now that it was wrong and that it might have had a negative impact on you, although that wasn't my intent. You know, you don't even have to say that part because like that's centering yourself again, Um, (laughs) but you can really just be like, like, I know it probably harmed you. What can I do to make it right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Can I jump in? I've yeah, please, please. <laughs> okay. Because I know earlier, like offline, you were like, I, I want to hear like your perspective on yes. things. About it. And <laughs> so I actually, I don't usually talk about this actually in this uh-huh. space, in this, uh-huh. you know, Typod online entrepreneur space that I live in, but I do unconscious bias trainings in corporate. Oh, so that is, so yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm familiar with some of this stuff. But yes. when you were talking about impact, like intent versus impact, So I wanted to chime in because that's one of the things that we study, which is like disparate treatment versus Mm -hmm. disparate impacts, right? Mm -hmm. So to break it down for y'all, really just to revalidate everything she just said, disparate treatment is going into a situation with the intent of, you know, treating someone differently because of some categorization, whether it's race, sex, uh, sexual orientation, religion, whatever it is, right? There are so many dimensions of diversity. Don't even get me into it. Mm-hmm. But disparate treatment is going in with that intention. Now, disparate impact, you do not have to have any intention, but at the end of the day, you're still impacting someone in the same way. So the example that I always use just to like put arms around this thing is let's say, you know, and this often applies to corporate, I'll keep it real here, but let's say there's a pregnant woman in the office and her boss is looking to give somebody a new opportunity for like some big project with a lot of visibility, that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And what they will do is if if it was disparate treatment, they would say, oh, Cindy is pregnant. Not going to choose Cindy for this project because she is pregnant, right? Right. If it's disparate impact and what's happening is totally unconscious and the boss is not trying to, to you mm-hmm. know, treat Cindy differently, but really the underlying reason why they're not choosing her is because she's pregnant, even if that never crossed their mind consciously. Right. They're still impacting Cindy in the exact same way. Cindy is not getting the project, y'all. So I just wanted to like validate everything you're saying and really give an example that puts some 
you know, meat to it mm-hmm. because it's not to say that everybody or that you, you know, like we know we're talking about things that can be kind of triggering. So mm-hmm. it's not even to say all the time that people are sitting here thinking I'm going to treat you differently. <laughs> right. Not <laughs> but at that all. Doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that that's going to impact Cindy's career yeah. and it's going to impact the trajectory of base. I mean, her career impacts her life. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think we're being dramatic about any of this. No. <laughs> Not at all. And that is a really, really fantastic example because, you know, even listen as a listener to that scenario, like I could feel myself being like, yeah, like we might not want to pick Cindy because then Cindy's going to have to go out on leave. And what about the product? You know, all these things that is definitely happening. And that's because we all live within racism and sexism and patriarchy and homophobia. And we have internalized a lot of those things. And it's not our fault, but it is our job to constantly be trying to be better and undo those things for ourselves, for ourselves constantly. You know? Oh my goodness. Yes. And I even think like, just like a, another personal example, mm-hmm. like I have some relationships with people who have like pre-existing health conditions, right? Yeah. And they get super nervous about, you know, letting people know about that sort of thing because we do allow, you know, our preconceived notions of what that means and how that's going to impact our businesses to treat them differently. Like this is is a real thing literally with every dimension of diversity that, and I think that's why you're throwing the word intersectionality out there a lot, Cynthia, Mm -hmm. is like Mm -hmm. there's layers and levels to how this shows up in real life and Mm -hmm in our own businesses. I have to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Primally Pure. Y'all, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I've tried a lot of natural deodorants and my husband disapproves of 99.9% of them, but not my new Primally Pure charcoal deodorant. I have been so excited to share this with you because I have been testing it myself for three full months before I decided that it was worth sharing. This is absolutely my hands down favorite natural deodorant and I've tried at least five or six brands by now. And even better, it can be your new favorite too. You can get your next order for 10% off by using the code TIANA10. That's right, T-I-A-N-N-A-1-0, and you're on your way to your new favorite deodorant. And hopefully your significant other will approve of this one. (laughs) I would love to ask, like, from your perspective, because I happen to think there's a lot of hope in this conversation, Mm -hmm. especially because I know that our audience today is highly made up of entrepreneurs. Yes. They are in charge of their business. They are in charge of their systems. They're in charge of their processes. Like this is all under their direct control. So Mm -hmm. I'd love to just hear almost like, like, let's, let's give a little message of hope. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I, I do, I do the work that I do because at my core, I believe that people are always capable of change. You know, I even named my business that way, you know, embrace change. (laughs) And I did that because it was like a message to myself too, because change is hard. It is really hard every time it's like a little mourning and grieving process. Um, And so many of us, especially if we are women, women of color, we're so hard on ourselves as it is. So I don't want this conversation about like, Yes, we're all racist. We're all sexist. Like to be to then turn into like 
you punishing yourself for being that way. Like mm-hmm. it, it really is. We are a function of the of the society that we're in, and racism and sexism is sexism is like the air that we breathe, and it's not our fault. You know, we didn't create those systems, but we can work to dismantle them. And so, like for you know, identify your blind. It's uh, of course it's kind of ironic. Be like, well, you don't know what your blind spots are, but like work with people. You know, hire people like Tiana to do the work with you. You know, the unconscious bias work, the anti-oppression work. Invest in the people who are doing this very, very hard mental, emotional, psychological labor to help us all be better and to be more anti-racist. You know, and I I know that one of the areas in which I'm the weakest is ableism. So I'm always trying to catch myself when I'm using like just casual like ableism, like works its way in because I, I, you know, use certain words in like a harmful way, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it, I'm just emphasizing this to be like, be compassionate to yourself. You don't have to be judgmental of yourself and still give yourself a chance to grow and be a better version of you from day to day. Absolutely. Is that hopeful enough? <laughs> I, I think so. And I mean, like, even practically speaking, I think that there's little things that we are all fully empowered and able to do as we go through the journey. So like, mm-hmm. just a brief example, I remember um, at one point I was like super into talking. What did I say? Shoot. I don't know. I'll give a different example. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I remember this is actually really early in my career. And um, this is before I went into IO, but pretty Mm -hmm. directly preceding it. I was in an office management capacity at this therapy Mm -hmm. office. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the best jobs I've ever had. But I was working as the office manager there and I created a set of intake forms for clients, right? Mm-hmm. And to give context, this therapy office was a huge server and supporter of LGBTQ community, um, just I- incredibly diverse in a lot of different ways. And they were like trauma-informed, whole shebang. So mm-hmm. all of this is incredibly important work to them, just to give that background context. Yeah. But I was creating the client intake forms and on the form, I'm pretty sure, you know, I got it from like a template off Google and I'm just customizing it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I leave the sex uh, section of it just male or female. Mm -hmm. Something simple like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my, she was like my supervisor and she kind of called me in and it wasn't like a shame on you, Tiana moment. It was like, let's have a conversation about how this is actually harmful to mm-hmm. our community. Mm-hmm. And then let's go through all of the other materials we have and make sure that we're not doing this anywhere mm-hmm. else. And it was like, literally, this is, I don't know, almost 10 years ago. I think mm-hmm. about that experience all the time where it's just mm-hmm. like, you can, again, intent does not equal impact. You can have yeah. the best intentions right. and still make a misstep and that is okay, but we've yeah. got to learn from it, you know? Right. Yeah, like I love that example. It's such a beautiful example of how you could turn something um, away from being like a shame spiral to being a really great learning opportunity and an opportunity for like the whole practice to improve, you know? So actually, I think in a way that the fact that that happened through that process is it's actually a gift to them because it highlighted some place where they could, you know, fill this gap and make things actually much more equitable and just. And I mean, like, I think about it too in my intake forms and stuff when I have people sign up for a consult. Like, I used mm-hmm. to not ask people's pronouns, you know, but now I ask people's pronouns because I realize that, like, I need to actually know that from the beginning so that I don't mess something up, you know, at all with respect to that person. So, you know, totally I haven't. Now. 
I got to interrupt. I got to oh, yeah. interrupt. Holy cow. Tip number 512 <laughs> in this episode, y'all. I'm going to go back and look at my intake forms now because I don't <laughs> think I do that. And that is such an easy thing to put in place. Yeah. And it consider is. it. It's extremely <laughs> because how harmful is it if you mess? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> it's the little cool. things, I swear to goodness. <laughs> That's so funny. When you were like, I have to interrupt. I was like, what's happening? Is there a fire where you are? Like, oh my goodness. Yes. No. So I put in there and you know, this is exactly how I do it. I put like, uh, my pronouns are she, her, what are your pronouns? And then it has a blank and they can put whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause I know that it's like, it's also weird to be like, what are your pronouns without saying what your own ones are? Because it can also, um, have a harmful impact. So yeah, cool. I love that we're <laughs> this conversation is is really freewheeling and I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm so here for it. I told you, I was like, this is such a robust topic. Y'all, yeah. I just wanted Cynthia and I to get on and definitely highlight some of the ways this shows up at work and in entrepreneurship and some of the little things that we can do. But I also wanted to fully keep it real and just go mm-hmm. where the conversation led us because yes. sometimes that is where some of the magic comes out. So totally. okay, Cynthia, I've got to mm-hmm. ask. Um, yes. What advice, because I know we're coming up on time. So what Mm -hmm. advice would you give? um, Shall we divide it? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, hmm. What just what advice would you give to any business owner, entrepreneur as it relates to racial gaslighting and things Mm -hmm. that we can actively do? Yes. To oppose it and try to like, you know, we can't ever fully get rid of things, but we can do our best, you know? Correct. Yeah. So one is, you know, keep your eye out for it. Remember the definition from the beginning of the episode and like marinate on it and think about it and like think about it on like a weekly basis. Like has this, did this happen to me this past week? You'll start to see it and then you'll build that habit. Then create your own protocol for dealing with this. So it's not as taxing and traumatic every time that it happens. Um, So just figure out like, what's your standard response? Are you going to not interact with that person anymore? Like set up that boundary or are you going to come up with like a stock answer? Unfortunately, it doesn't look like this is going to be a fruitful collaboration. Like wish you all the best. Like if it's a potential client kind of thing or are you going to you know take it on take it upon yourself to have a conversation with the person and try to educate them basically because that's a lot and you don't have to do that but you can if you want and just real quick like ways you could do that are like oh i'm curious what you mean by that or like what made you say that you know and then have an open conversation with them and you can say like how it's harmful and what they could do like similar to what your supervisor at the therapy practice Mm -hmm. did with you you know in that way another little pro tip um before i talk about (laughs) self-care is i have a friend and colleague nora rahimian and she has anti-oppression clauses in her contracts so that's another thing that you can do as an entrepreneur like if you find if you're working with somebody and like some effed up stuff starts happening like in the middle you can have a clause in there that that protects you in that instance and you can, you know, just end that work, you know, there the fees may already be paid or like whatever you want to decide, but the fact that you can cancel a contract without any, you know, ramifications for you partway through if there are you know, if they're being racist or sexist or whatever. Oh, that's um, incredible. Yeah. So think about that. And 
you know, definitely the self-care, like, especially if you are a black business owner, you're already doing so much work already. You have a million jobs, you have a million things on your plate, you're dealing with racism and racial gaslighting out in the world. You're also dealing with it in your professional life. You have to be able to take care of yourself. So that means boundaries. It might mean therapy. It might mean mindfulness, you know, drink more water, be in nature, like have a creative practice, read, whatever it is, prioritize those things for you because you need to be able to sustain yourself. It You don't need me to tell you. It's not easy out there. And that's beautiful advice. And I was snickering over here because I'm like, I do, just, I do just about all of those things. So that's yes. funny. Good. <laughs> they work. They help. Excellent. You are on top of it. I love it. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, this has truly been an incredible conversation. Again, I know that we circled around a lot of things. And I, I honestly think we could have spoken for an hour and a half. You know what I'm uh, yeah, saying? But for sure. It is what it is. So for the people, pretty much everybody, like, let's be honest <laughs> about it, who is mm-hmm. going to want to stay in your space and continue the yeah. conversation and really felt compelled to reach out to you because of this episode, where can they find you? Tell us all the places. Sure. So my website is embracechange.nyc. And that's, you know, the centralized place to find all the info, like about, you know, the book, certainly don't stay in your lane, there's info about the book there. Also, I have tons of free resources that you can download in the resources tab and a blog. And of course, it talks about my services as well. If you're a social media person on Instagram, I'm Embrace Change NYC. On LinkedIn, I post a lot of uh, career advice on both Instagram and LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, you can just search my name and then that's the easiest, play- easiest way to find me. And I do LinkedIn Lives on Wednesdays, currently at 2 p.m. Eastern, but it's around 1 or 2 p.m. Eastern. If you follow me, you'll get the notification. So that's LinkedIn and Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you or you know someone who needs the Don't Stay in Your Lane book, like it is basically all of my years of coaching people on changing careers successfully boiled down into one easy to use step-by-step instruction manual. And I cover all the hard topics, finances, like power and racism, um, all those negative mindsets I talked about earlier. Um, It is really worth the investment in you and your career or your friend's career. Um, So definitely check it out if you're at all unhappy with where you are. Oh, I am so here for it. And I'm like mentally making a list of Christmas presents right now. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. This was truly an insightful and just, you know, very interesting conversation. Timely, definitely. And I just genuinely appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Tiana. I appreciate you. And thank you for doing all the work that you're doing. I didn't even know about the unconscious bias stuff until today. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that as well. You're just, I don't know, you're trailblazing all over the place. And I think it's so awesome and badass. So thank you for that. Oh my God, my whole heart. Okay. (laughs) 